0: Welcome back to Gojo and going Hour number two. We'll talk to two-time Super Bowl champion from the Kansas City Chiefs, Le'Veon Sneed Coming up in just a little bit. This hour about what it takes to go into that. The secret sauce with Steve Spagnuolo and all that great stuff. But Dad, we're at this point now where we're getting late into February here. Pitchers and catchers have reported in Major League Baseball, and that means spring is right around the corner. And spring means renewal. And with renewal comes a really roundabout way for me to go away from baseball and talk about the NFL offseason here. Now on DraftKings sportsbook, they've got this great next team odds for a number of NFL players that are going to be uh that we thought would be a great opportunity on a Friday morning to try and jam some more NFL into your life while we're still basking into the glow of Super Bowl week. So dad, we can go on and we did a lot of quarterback fits on Wednesday. We've got some other players mixed in amongst the quarterbacks that are going to be free agents coming up this offseason or players whose futures have just been called into question that you can now gamble on on DraftKings Sportsbook and try and figure out where you think they're going to wind up next. So I I wanted to start off, dad, we've got the running back conversation that just kind of got put on pause for a year that just got moved over to this offseason. So looking here and starting with the biggest boy at the party, I saw off season workout videos of one Derrick Henry that terrify me to no end. Uh, the oh next team God. odds for Derrick Henry dad have Baltimore as the favorite at plus 200 with then Philadelphia, Dallas and Houston all on the board dad. What do you think the most likely landing spot is for one of the scariest lads in the entire league?
1: Well, I would say, you know, with a guy who who every year says we're playing for the Super Bowl and this and that and haven't been there since 96, I could see Dallas making a play. Remember, Tony Pollard is a free agent as well. Now, uh, Tony Pollard did better in the two-back system with Zeke Elliott than he did when he was the feature back. So, and we know Pollard can catch the ball out of the backfield as well. So do you team up? those two in the backfield. Remember, it's not going to cost you a lot, right? These running backs are not getting these monster deals and it's not all of a sudden going to change this year. So from the standpoint of that, of, of the amount of money it may cost you now to think that they would sign two free agent running backs in Pollard uh, and or Derrick Henry would, would seem a bit odd, but it wouldn't stun me with Jerry Jones considering what they can try and do because they need that running game that they didn't have to help out Dak in the passing game. So it wouldn't be and, – and maybe Tony Pollard moves on somewhere else, quite honestly, and maybe they do bring a Derrick Henry to get that running game going again. But that wouldn't shock me one bit. Baltimore – D- will Baltimore go go down that road, Mike? Baltimore, you know, we, we have Saquon Barkley, we have Josh Jacobs, other running backs, Austin Eckler, as I said, Tony Pollard. Baltimore last year was number one in the league rushing. Justice Hill, Gus Edwards, Lamar Jackson, I, we, we, and they brought in, I know Dalvin Cook at the playoff time, but they didn't do anything there. Do they really need to make some changes? You were number one. I mean, do you want to shift that up right now? and spend some money on that when you can maybe spend it in other spots when you're already the
0: top uh, in the league in that category? So I think the only thing I'd say for Baltimore is you've got to find a way to continue to evolve every year. They can't come back static, and I think a lot of us assume that's going to look like the wide receiver room, adding more around Zay Flowers, who was great last year, and trying to continue to develop that, but... We all saw in the postseason they kind of ran away from the run at the wrong time. More of that falls on the play caller, but I do wonder, Dad, if a little bit of thunder and lightning might go a long way. I know they felt like they got some of that from Gus Edwards, but – Derrick Henry's the final boss of all that. If you get back a healthy Keaton Mitchell and what he afforded you as that player who was the lightning portion of that backfield with a guy in Derrick Henry. I mean, Dad, think about every play if you've got a read option with Lamar Jackson and Derrick Henry, the weird calculus that a defensive player's got to do to figure out how they want their life to be a living hell. And just seeing Derrick Henry in purple and black I go rule of cool on this and I say, I'm going to pray to every God who will listen that he winds up in that system there where they do a lot of under center stuff. It's a lot of things that could work well in what Derrick Henry's traditionally done well as a rusher.
1: You know, we sit here and talk about backs and we'll talk about them all. Obviously I mentioned uh, uh, Barkley, Josh Jacobs, Derrick Henry, Austin Eckler, Tony Pollard, you know, Jim Harbaugh is getting himself a back, right? Eckler was there last year. Eckler played in 14 games. He averaged under, you know, he averaged three and a half yards carry. Didn't have that, that year rushing, but we know what he can do out of the backfield had over 50 receptions, So we know what he is out of the backfield. You know, Jim's getting a guy, a runner, right? I mean, he lived off that at Michigan and making sure you could run the ball. So that is going to be of utmost importance for him. So is that a Derrick Henry or a Saquon Barkley or a Josh Jacobs? And then again, same question like Dallas. What do you do with Austin Eckler, who is a free agent as well? Uh, But you know that's something Harbaugh wants to take care of is that backfield. And again, I'll go to, and it's a shame for the running backs, but they are not in great position to have these monster
0: deals. I was going to ask, do you think any of what we saw, especially this postseason, which seemed to be a rushing renaissance, we saw Christian McCaffrey as the NFL's offensive player of the year this year and what he was able to do for a team that was a mature roster already in San Francisco, but clearly has been a better football team record wise and otherwise since Christian came over. Do you think that did anything for some of these running backs heading into this offseason after that discourse last year?
1: No, because I don't think so, because it's he, he, I think he has separated himself, right? He had the most touches in the NFL, leading rusher in the NFL, and you see what he is out of the backfield. It's, it's got to be the versatile threat. You can't be just good at the one thing. It's where we are in the NFL, from the quarterback position, being versatile pass and run, to the running back, being able to line up like a wide receiver, or in the slot, or to, to motion. You know, like like CMC does in San Francisco. So I think he's a bit of an outlier because of all how good all he can do and how good he is at doing all the things that he can do.
0: I would agree. I, I do think Saquon Barkley becomes the most interesting in this group then for that reason, just because yep. of that injuries, the biggest complicating factor, Derrick Henry's 30 years old, but he's been a tank for the majority of his career. He's been able to weather a pretty high carry load each and every season and still bounce back. And now you're assuming wherever he goes, he's going to have that offset. Now he's not going to be asked to be the bell cow in the same ways that he was. And so you're going to get a guy who can be more physical for you less often during the body of a game. Dad, Saquon Barkley, 27 years old, heading into it this year. According to DraftKings Sportsbook, the Giants, the favorite to retain him at minus 150, followed then by Houston at plus 275, the Chargers at plus 400, and Chicago, a distant last, at plus 1600 here. Where would you like to see Saquon Barkley end up the most?
1: I I, I think this would be a good landing spot for him with the Chargers. I do, uh, because... It, there's limited backs Harbaugh is going to have available that are that are true runners as well. Barkley is one of them, and how he could help that offense. So I could see a guy like him. Houston's different. A lot of motion, a lot of empty sets. Um, so I, I'm not sure where that goes. Uh, but but I I I look at the charges. You want to throw the Bears in there as a team that's trying to build um and, and gonna to have to spend some money, obviously, to do it. But I, I I still say one of these big time backs is going to end up with the Chargers. I think I think that is about as much of a certainty as you can say, knowing what Harbaugh likes to do.
0: I would agree. The only reason I worry about that as a fit for Saquon is just the injury has popped up a fair amount, especially when volume has been the play there. I think for the Texans, when you look at them especially the way the fit would be for a guy like Saquon, who I think can do multiple things because he's such a great athlete, because we've seen him as a pass catcher as well. They're a team, Houston, that's going to line up an eye a lot on early downs. Bobby Slowick had uh, CJ Stroud under center a bunch, and certainly he can help you a lot with that, but I think he's the most versatile of the guys that we talk about in terms of skill set here, and Houston's got other options, right? You're coming in, and C.J. Stroud is going to be the sun and the moon and the center of that offense in the way that they run it. They're going to be distributing to when healthy. Nico Collins, who was great last year, when Tank Dell gets back healthy. All those and whatever else they add in a passing attack that's got one of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL. So you're not going to need Saquon to do as much, but we saw last year Hey, when Devin Singletary got going in earnest on that offense, it changed a lot, but they weren't a consistent enough rushing attack last year. So I would kind of like to see Saquon joined that group who really seems like they're on the uptick right now. And Dad, the last one that kind of rounds out this running back group is Josh Jacobs who was a part of this conversation last yeah. year, had a bit of a down year relative to the season before where he was yep. the rushing champ. According to DraftKings, he is the, uh, the Las Vegas Raiders' are the favorite to retain him. Minus 200, followed by the Chargers, followed by Houston, followed by Baltimore. So it's really the same quartet of teams trying to play musical chairs with these three running backs right here. Josh Jacobs and this current scene with what Antonio Pierce wants to prioritize. And I saw him on the podcast with guys over at the Pivot the other day saying we want it to look sound and feel the right way, meaning he wants a physical football team Josh Jacobs does seem to fit the mold of what they want with that group as they try and make sure whoever is going to come in and play quarterback has a lot to work with around them.
1: Yeah, especially if you're going to keep Aiden O'Connell a quarterback or even go young at quarterback, you're going to want a running game to surround that. I don't know what the relationship is anymore with Josh Jacobs and the Raiders uh, because if you're not getting him, then you're going out and trying to get one of these other backs, right? I mean, he's the guy. Only played thirteen games this year. Again, averaged three and a half yards. But the last couple of years, as you mentioned, was a rushing champ. He's had uh, last year before this a couple of years of fifty some receptions out of the backfield as well. To me, he's an, the more interesting one. We'll talk. Everybody will talk a lot about Henry and Barkley, uh, but I think Josh is an interesting one on what he can do. And I would be surprised if the Raiders let him go somewhere else. Like I said, if they do, they're going to have to bring in somebody else who can get the job done because they are, if they are going to have the, as I said, the young quarterback have to going to rely on that run game. And Josh has proven himself.
0: And Josh, the youngest one of the bunch that we're talking about right now, Josh Jacobs, 26 years old, moving into the prime of that career. And it is, it's a love the one you're with situation. Cause I do think dad, well, a lot of these guys, you know, Saquon had a little bit of injury this year and the Giants offense overall didn't perform as well as expected. But when he was on the field, he was much more productive than, let's say, his counterpart in Daniel Jones, who the Giants did decide to pay last offseason right. instead of their running back to the dismay of a lot of people. Injury popped up there. Derrick Henry in the Titans, it was sort of an interesting year because the offensive line was in turnover. You had a rookie quarterback that went out there. Josh Jacobs, like we said, had a down year relative to, but Overall, we look around the NFL, Dad... And I think people have recognized the market inefficiency with a lot of these top defenses that you could run right down the middle of. We saw it happen in the postseason. And so I think we've got probably a gap year here before that starts to course correct, where you're either going to see defenses load the box more or these big run stuff and right. D tackles, bigger body linebackers starting to make a comeback in the NFL to offset a little bit of that. And so in the meantime, I do think a lot of these teams, especially the ones where you don't have a Mahomes, Allen, Lamar Jackson, at course are going to say, hey, we probably need to make sure we're in position to go out and beat people up inside the box next year or else we're going to be behind the eight ball again. And so there are going to be a, a priority to some extent, and it might, in your point, be right. The incumbent's going to have a chance to win out on those since you're already in the building and used to it.
1: Yeah, and I mean, running backs can only hope they become a focal point again to try and help them uh, in the pay scale, of which, you know, I <laughs> – I remember last year when they had the running back call where everybody kind of aired their grievances, you know, and unfortunately it's not going to do any good. I I don't know what's going to change this for the running backs in the immediate future. Maybe down the road we'll see again. But as of now, we're talking about, you know, three backs, and I mentioned a couple more who are free agents, but
0: teams have to understand it's not going to really be a monster cap hit for you. No, and, I mean, there's always the draft, too, that you have for guys. I mean, hell – we talked about in the, uh, in the Super Bowl, yeah, Christian McCaffrey was on one side. Isaiah Pacheco had been a story of the playoffs, and the dude was a seventh-round pick. Right. Like, that's the yep. other part of this is, again, and I'll say it is the most accessible body type For a position in the NFL, you can have such a range of guys in size, speed, and skill set that can be effective running backs for you in the league. And when you piece them all together with quarterbacks that are now a more added part of the run game than ever before, it does unfortunately create a situation where that position becomes a little bit individually less valuable. Not the idea of running back overall, which we clearly saw has a major effect on outcomes, but just because of all those other factors. It gets tough. Dad, let's look at wide receiver a little bit here. A bunch of interesting names that are coming up, starting with Mike Evans, the Tampa Bay stud wide receiver coming off his 10th straight 1,000-yard season at 30 years old. Uh, Tampa Bay minus 165 favorites to retain him, the Chicago Bears, Houston Texans, and Kansas City Chiefs rounding out the 2, 3, and 4 spot. Their dad, This seems like one, I don't know how, if you're Tampa, considering the surprise success that you had last year, you can let a guy that's a future Hall of Famer and has been a franchise stalwart for you walk out the building at this point.
1: Yeah, I I don't see how you can do it. And for Evans, if he is to to look around, I think, listen, the guy's been in the league, what's going to be his 11th year or so, something like that, and, you know, perennial thousand-yard gainer, he's going to want to go on a team... I believe, unless there's a a monster difference in the money that's being offered, probably a team that's closer uh, to the title instead of like a money grab. Uh, and you know who, who is that going to? Could you imagine if Kansas City tried to put in some money for him, which would be unbelievable because they're always going to be looking uh, for a wide receiver. But I'm with you. I, I think I think it would be somewhat shocking if he got out of Tampa Bay. I think Baker Mayfield stays there. I think Evans does a shorter deal. Uh, there as well and stays to see what they can do. So I, I'm I think Baker and Evans run it back again in in Tampa Bay.
0: I would agree. Tampa Bay and Mike Evans feel like one of those last remaining spots where we saw teams this year in a league that's dominated by so many of these Shanahan McVay offenses where it's underneath routes, it's digs and in breaking routes and guys getting yards after the catch. Mike Evans is one of those last few guys that we just see, Hey, we're going to line you up one-on-one on on the outside. And we're going to throw a million go balls your way. And we're going to assume that you're going to come down with more than 50% of these, the old line. It's not a 50, 50 ball when it's going to Mike Evans, it's a 75, 25 ball or however you want to phrase it it does seem like we don't have nearly as much of that anymore with the exception of maybe another guy who's coming up, who's probably going to be the most talked about guy in this class because he's young, because he's coming up off that rookie deal in T Higgins out of Cincinnati. The Bengals have had that great foundation for Joe Burrow where they had Jamar chase and T Higgins, both in that wide receiver core while they couldn't block for Joe. And now at 25 years old, He's getting set now. A lot of people assume, Dad, and the odds reflect this, that Cincinnati's just going to hit him with the franchise tag. So it's minus 500 in DraftKings for Cincinnati to retain him there. And that seems like probably the way to go on this because you've still been trying to rebuild that offensive line in Cincinnati, and they might continue to add to that in the draft this year. But uh, maintaining that wide receiver core when Joe Burrow comes back healthy seems like the smart move.
1: Yeah, this is one of those where you have to project out, right, because you're going to have to project out what you have to pay Jamar Chase as well, because that bill is going to come a-calling. And so it's when do you want to spread the money out? Remember, if you do the, the, uh, the uh, gets tagged, that's going to be about 20 mil uh, for T. Higgins that he's going to get in the area of. So a lot of times, do you want to do a longer deal to try and spread that out to keep the cap number a little lower? As I mentioned, you know, you got Jamar Chase coming up behind that. So this is a this is a capologist job here to decide we're going to pay, when are we going to pay, and is it still the economically sound way to just tag them this year, pay that one year, pay that 20 mil, and then go from, from there? Uh, I don't know. See, that, that's the interior of the money uh, decision makers there, but- Either way, he's not he's not leaving Cincinnati. Let me let, let me just say that. Uh, however, that works out, he's I believe he's going to be in Cincinnati and probably going to be tagged.
0: To your point about Jamar Chase, um, this is the first season now coming up where he'll be eligible for a long term extension since he was a first round pick. So they have the option to lock in his fifth year option that starts on May second. That deadline for teams to pick up the 2025 fifth-year option for those first-round picks. And so you're right, Jamar Chase is going to be there on the long-term, and it's just going to be, hey, do you try and extend him now and keep the cap hit low early so you can absorb T. Higgins for one more year and try and run it back with this group while you feel like you've got a good core together? Defensively, we know Cincinnati's already hit an influx of young talent along the defensive line and that defensive backfield. They've done a lot of things similar to what Kansas City has done on that side of the ball once you pay your quarterback in Joe Burrow. Who is, you know, coming back off injury, but that's something we've seen for Joe Burrow before. He's been a guy that's been able to weather that. And so doing it again is something that doesn't feel outside of the realm of possibility, but gets a lot easier if you still got those two first yep. legitimate. Yep. You know, Jamar Chase is the true number one receiver. T. Higgins yes. has a lot of those traits and has performed incredibly well. So it, it would be incredible if they were able to pull this off somehow and do a little bit of math, which we also know for the Bengals, paying out a lot of money to people isn't something they love to do. This is an historically cheap franchise, so we gotta factor that in as well.
1: Yeah, I agree. And then the one other wide receiver, I think it's a quick mention, it's Stefan Diggs from the Bills. I don't see him leaving there. They trade him or release him. It's a $31 million cap hit. So I, I don't see that happening right now, trying to absorb that much of a cap hit. So I, I still see him being with Buffalo this year.
0: I would agree, but man, there was a lot of smoke around that fire starting last offseason. You had the tweets coming from his family and his brother during the season there. A lot of interesting stuff there. Even more interesting stuff in Kansas City. Super Bowl champion Legereus Sneed joins us next on Gojo and Gola. All right, guys, let's talk about Jaegermeister. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister U.S. White Plains, New York. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. Mike Golik, Jr., Mike Golik, Sr. And got a chance to catch up with Super Bowl champion LeJarius Sneed, the fourth-round pick. On the 2020 draft by the Kansas City Chiefs, one of their great defensive backs. On what went on for them in the lead up to the Super Bowl victory, take a listen. All right, Legarius, we appreciate you uh, taking the time out to talk to us today. Congratulations on now your second Super Bowl in as many years, and we're obviously excited to talk to you about that and, and what's gone into this incredible run for you and the team. But wanted to first and foremost, uh, you know, send our condolences to you and everyone in Chiefs Nation. Obviously, an incredibly tragic event at what was supposed to be a celebratory day for you guys at the parade the other day. So how are you and your teammates and your family all doing after everything that went down?
2: Oh, man, my family and the whole entire team, everybody's okay, from my understanding. But from understanding, the families, uh, some people got injured. And I would like to send my condolences to the families and prayers up for everyone who got hurt and was involved.
1: Yeah, and I, I, like I said before, we get into this year and this game. Did did you and your teammates talk about anything after you learned what happened?
2: Oh uh, yeah, man, we just couldn't believe it. You know, once everybody got on the bus, we were just in shock. You know, for that to go down in such of a moment where we celebrating all accomplishments, and for that to happen, you know, it it, it, it was crazy.
0: It's incredibly sad and like you said on a day that was supposed to be special for so many so like you said we're obviously thinking and praying uh, for everyone that was injured unfortunately the one person who lost their life in this as well and you know hopefully and i'm sure the the city and the team will wrap their arms around them as you guys so often do uh you know, no easy transition and all this legarious. but obviously we do want to talk about uh, what led to, you know, the the celebration that you guys were supposed to be having, And that's uh, another Super Bowl win for you. So now back-to-back championships, two and four years for you as a player. Uh, what was the second one like in comparison to the first for you when that final whistle blew?
2: Oh, man, I don't think it never gets old. You know, my first one I won last year, I was kind of excited, but I was very excited. But I came this year, man, it seemed like I got even more excited. I don't think it never gets old. I think, you know, I want another one.
1: Is there a difference in, for some of the San Francisco players, now some were on the team the last time they were in the Super Bowl, but others new to it, you guys all having the experience, is there something, too, going into those two weeks, especially the week at the Super Bowl uh, place you're going to play, that may give you an advantage over players that haven't been there?
2: Oh, man, I just want to say shout-out to Coach Reed. You know, he give us every situation, everything, what's going to happen. We got two weeks to study and get on top of the game plan or whatever we need to go over. It. And we, as Reed, he get over and cover everything.
0: I have say a lot's been made of Andy Reid covering the situation you guys found yourself in in <laughs> overtime with the new overtime rules, the video that's come out now of Patrick Mahomes and his reaction when San Francisco announced that they were going to receive the ball in overtime. For you as the defensive player that was getting ready to go on the field, walk us through what you guys were thinking when you saw and heard that San Francisco wanted to take the ball and that you guys were going to be
2: up first. Oh, man, we loved it, man. You know, we go out there, we go put the D on the field, you know, we make them, make them stop and make it stop. And- we believe in our offense and the we know they'll go down and score the ball in that type of situation.
1: Yeah, and you guys did. You held uh, held San Francisco to a field goal in that case. And then you go down and score the touchdown and win the Super Bowl. I'm, I'm wondering at halftime, you guys were down at halftime, but you've been down in the playoffs at halftime. So what was said in the locker room at halftime of this game when you went in down?
2: Oh, man, you know, on defense, we made a couple of adjustments, and I'm pretty sure they did the same thing on offense. And, you know, there, you know, we said we'll put pressure on them, apply more pressure, and that's what we did. So happily, it did work, and we came up victorious.
0: Pressure is something everyone associates with your defensive coordinator, Steve Spagnuolo. I saw Justin Reed with the In Spags We Trust
2: shirts. What makes
0: him so special as a coordinator for you guys?
2: Oh, man, Spaz, he'll throw all type of stuff at you. He'll have our uh, D-line playing linebackers. he have our uh, linebackers playing safety. Like, you'll never know what Spaz gonna throw at you, and that's what I love about him, man. He ain't no white trick point.
1: Yeah, I imagine defensive players would love to play in a scheme like that. How, how about through your season? You guys You guys had some some ups and downs <laughs> Talk about that—the year before you beat uh, Philadelphia in the Super Bowl—but the expectation was for you guys to be there. This year, there were a few bumps in the road. Talk about how you guys managed the season.
2: Oh man, this whole entire season—I say from the start—you know, we had adversity. You know, no one believed in us. But as as a team and as a whole organization, you know, we believed in each other. We all stayed down. You know, we came to work every day with our pants, our big boy pants, all ready to work and. You know, it paid off each day we came in where it worked and I saw the guys' face each week.
0: Well, speaking of it paying off, you've put yourself through your play in a position to be a very rich man coming up this off season. I'm curious for you, going into this year, for you personally, what was your goal? What did you want to improve on as a player that's now got you ready to cash in like this?
2: Uh man, I just wanted to wait the whole entire world up, man. You know, at the beginning of the season, you know, I know I told myself, just wait the world. No one still believing in you. You know, just stay down and go hard. and I set goals of what I had. I reached a couple of those goals. The main goal was to get back to the Super Bowl, man. I think we accomplished that as a team. Yeah,
1: I'd say you did. And also you accomplished it as the youngest defense in the league this year. The only other time the youngest defense in the league won the Super Bowl was 09 and the Indianapolis Colts. So you're in some really good company there. So what what will your off-season entail? As Mike said, you're, you know, getting ready to look for a new deal. So does that change your off-season at all?
2: Oh, no, my the money don't change. Nothing's going to change about me. You know, I'm coming to work every day. Like, I usually coming to work. I think I'm just going to get hungry and hungry because, honestly, man, they still don't believe in me. Everybody's still sleeping on me, and I feel like I have some more to prove.
0: Well, uh, listen. We saw one of your other teammates, in Chris Jones, who's getting ready to go through a similar offseason. Say at the parade, he wants to run it back. I- is that true for both of you guys? Do you want to be back in Kansas City? How are you approaching free agency?
2: Man, I love to be in Kansas City. I don't want to. I don't want to go nowhere. It's home. You know, been home for the last four years for me. They opened me up with open arms. You know, they gave me a chance, and I definitely wouldn't want to leave here. You know, try to learn another scheme, another team, and all of that. But I love to be here. But you know, wherever the chips lay, they like.
1: How often do you guys, you know, because your defense played so well, we know about the offense, when you're going through a training camp, uh, how much do ones get, how much do you do good on good, ones on ones, uh, where you can have that little competition with them?
2: I think that's the whole entire training camp. I don't think no other training camp is like <laughs> Andrew Reed's training camp. And that's why we be ready, man. That's why we uh, ready. Andrew be on this.
0: Yeah, I can say Andy Reid and Spag seem to have you guys always ready. And in a variety of ways, you mentioned all the different ways you get used on that defense for you, Trent McDuffie. We see you guys blitzing and going towards the quarterback all the time. I'm curious for you as a defensive back, would you rather an interception on a drive or a drive ending sack going towards the quarterback?
2: Uh, I, uh I'll say, I'll say it in itself, you know, Getting the offense back the ball is very big because I ain't no telling what I do with that ball in my hand, you know?
0: <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> but I, I guess I just asked because I'm so in awe of the way you and Trent and all these guys get after the quarterback. Like, as a defensive back, what does it take to be a great blitzer, especially in a scheme like Spags?
2: Oh, man, you know, you got to blitz with violence. You can't blitz slow. You got to blitz fast and, you know, the big guys, they can't get to us, man. We get low to the ground, and with speed, they can't get to us. And that's why I love it.
1: How, I, 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 were you, you played a lot, I know you played a wide receiver in high school, so as before you went to college, Louisiana Tech, was there a thought that you would be on the offensive side of the field going forward, uh, or do you always uh, know it would be defense?
2: Yeah, going into my, uh, going into college, I begged them to put me on the offensive side. I begged them, begged them the whole the whole entire camp. They wouldn't let me know, so. Skip Holtz told me want me to be a you no know, defensive back, and so
0: having it worked out. Really. It's it's definitely worked out well, and like we said, you're now a, a two time Super Bowl champion in four seasons. You're getting ready, uh, like you said, for a well deserved payday <laughs> coming up. And if you end up back in Kansas City, we got to start talking to Big Red then about getting you a play on offense here. He draws up all these crazy red zone definitely. plays. We got to get him to put I, I you on offense during the fall. I that? mentioned it to him. I
2: mentioned it to him right before the Super Bowl. He said he'll think about it though. So hopefully 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 he'll throw me in there. There we go, exactly.
0: We'll clip that and make sure we spam the Chiefs Twitter account with that so big red knows exactly what time (laughs) it is. Legarius, congratulations on all the success, man. We're super excited for you and we appreciate you giving us some
2: time. Yes, sir. Thank you.
0: The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code gojo. That's code gojo for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours Eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, Dad, I've said this over the years until I'm blue in the face, and I'll continue to say it, that if you wanted to save the NFL's Pro Bowl, all you need to do is let the NFC and AFC football players play a five-on-five pickup basketball game because all every football player really wants in this world is to be a basketball player and to be respected as such. And since we're going into the NBA All-Star Weekend, let's combine forces on those because one of the best young football players in the NFL made some uh, NBA-related news this week. Houston Texans rookie quarterback C.J. Stroud, the offensive rookie of the year, wanted to remind everybody that he is, in fact, about that life. He went on Micah Parsons' uh, podcast, Setting the Edge, and described a time in high school where he faced Miami heat guard Jaime Jaquez and uh, how that one went for him. Take a listen
3: you seen the highlights, Wrote the clip. Did JV highlights, pull Legit- the JV highlights up. Put the JV highlights up. <laughs> this was a JV basketball team. No, do you know who the star player on the Miami Heat is right now other than Jimmy Butler? Hami Hakez, play the UCLA. That game I scored 40 points was on him. That's Hami is right there at the center. Stop playing with me bro. Stop playing what with me. What is this, freshman basketball? No, this is varsity basketball. Bro, he does PM. not look like he's. Number 24, ask him about it. Bro, He was probably a bum then. No. You see how I got the crowd rocking? That was JV. That's just one quick question, yes or no? Yes. Have you ever had a moment where they rushed the, flo- yes. the floor? Yes. For you hitting a game winner, past the three-point line. Yes. Not past the three-point line. <laughs> yes. Did you score 100 points too? I used to average a 20-20. <laughs> and Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, like, I would have added 40.
0: I promise that the two (laughs) biggest arguments that happen in every college football locker room in America are how your high school football team would have done against one of your teammates, high school football teams in games that can never be played. And then who would go out and beat who on the basketball court. That right there is the biggest window into a college or professional football locker room you will ever see in your entire life. Without question.
1: I mean, football players who there's the, ones who can hoop i.e. see the tight end position normally and those who think they can hoop right there are always those guys that think they can hoop but then they would get against really good competition and realize they can't hoop but uh you're right that's the biggest thing if you did pickup games and it is now in contracts i think it's in pat mahomes contract that he can't play pickup basketball games you look in a lot of these contracts of what players can and can't do in the Pick up basketball is one of the things teams do not want them doing, turning an ankle or hurting themselves somehow, some way. But there are no doubt great basketball players who play football, and we always wonder about the opposite of who a great basketball player would be that would be a great football player. And it always goes to LeBron James, but there would be others as well. Myself, Mike, I never, ever was a basketball player. I mean, when you talk about kids playing all sports growing up, I, I never played basketball. I mean, I did foot, I did swimming first. I did football. I did baseball. I did track and field. Uh, but mostly, I did wrestling. During basketball season, wrestling went on, and I was a wrestler from grade school up through uh, wrestling at Notre Dame as well. So I never played basketball, and I was never good at basketball outside of giving you fouls and rebounding and pickup games. Uh, I, I have zero basketball talent.
0: So you never played, did you guys, and this is not me age shaming you, I promise, I just forget the year this started, you guys didn't have bookstore basketball when you were Notre Dame, did you?
1: Oh yeah, 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 I played bookstore basketball, yep, had to run from practice to get to a game, yeah, exactly.
0: For anyone unaware, bookstore basketball at Notre Dame is a massive tradition, it is, I believe, the largest outdoor five-on-five basketball tournament, in the at least in the country, if not the world where every year, usually a combination of students on campus. And some of the athletes would go over and play this large five on five. And it got heated. Like, To your point about football coaches not wanting players to play, when Brian Kelly and their staff got to Notre Dame, it wasn't necessarily explicitly stated, but they really didn't want us going over there and messing with bookstore because they were worried guys would get hurt. My freshman year, our good friend of the program, Dane Christ, and his team, Hallelujah, Holla Back, won the bookstore championship. And man, I tell you, you've never seen an angrier group of people than the normal Notre Dame students who had to watch the varsity athletes' team win the bookstore basketball title. It is the most Capulets and Montagues, you know one side versus the other that it gets around that school when it came up there, when that comes, but you didn't even, you played in that, but not very well. I want to establish that.
1: Oh no, no. There, there are teams that just went in it to have fun. The best part of the bookstore basketball were the names of the teams that you could actually put in print. Uh, That was the fun of it is to make the name. And, but then there, there were those teams who tried to stack, you know, with scholarship athletes. And I think you could only have X amount on a team, I, I I forgot what it was, but when I was yeah. at, at school, Jerry Faust was our head coach. Jerry Faust was on a, a bookstore basketball team, so I mean, yeah, it was. We, there was no restrictions, then. they we'd run right from spring ball uh, to our game and play. Oh, I was awful. I'm an awful basketball player, and and I've showed it, unfortunately.
0: Well, yes, so this is where we've we've ultimately come to. Now, C.J. Stroud and Micah Parsons were talking about that because they're going to take part in the NBA All-Star Celebrity Game that's coming up tonight, a game which, going back to the 2013-2014 NBA season, you played in, Dad, as a part of the East team. You and uh, Mike Greenberg, your former co-host on Mike and Mike, We're part of this game Friday, February 14th of 2014 in New Orleans. And I remember most of our family went down there for this game and dad in a game where Kevin Hart won the MVP, there was a Victoria's secret model in there. Snoop Dogg played in that game. Michael B. Jordan, the secretary of education, Arnie Duncan, who took it way too seriously. You came out with your one shining moment in this game, dad, you had about one scoring opportunity and had to go for you.
1: Horrible. I mean, absolutely horrible. Uh, first off, I was in horrible shape. I actually wore a, a shirt under my jersey, and a guy drove to the lane and I was opening. He dished it to me. I jumped maybe a three inches off the ground and I clanked a layup. I hit the bottom of the rim in a layup. It was absolutely horrific. I looked horrific. I felt horrific, but I will not make that as an excuse because if you're on the court or on the field to play, you got to play. But it was horrible. Mike, that game was horrific to me. I, I played in celebrity games before, and they're normally you have fun. This one, nobody wanted to have fun. I tried to have fun. I tried to mess around. The refs never cracked a smile. Arnie Duncan played this thing like it was his NBA finals. and And he always did when he was in this game. So much so that Kevin Hart got the... MVP award, and he gave it to Arnie Duncan and had like 20 points in this game. I think he had, what, 20 points and 11 rebounds. He played it like it was the last thing he was doing on earth, and I could not understand why. And at one point, I'm like, screw it. Go ahead. Have a ball. Be the star of a celebrity basketball game. Congratulations. I was horrific. Greeny took one shot in this. He airballed it. I mean, we were so bad that next year, Greeny and I became the coaches. We were the coaches of either yeah. team. They kept us off the court and they put us on uh, off the court of play and put us in as coaches. But I looked horrible there. I felt horrible. We all went out and, and, and I just drank myself, I think, into oblivion after that one as everybody was out watching it. I think I, had, I got in the stat book, I believe, with one rebound in that game and then took my spot near the end of the bench.
0: Yeah, that was, if you are not a person that normally watches the YouTube, today would be a day to just go to, you know, in the second hour in this back half and get a little window into my dad going for jumping off two feet, shooting the layup with two hands. You shot the ball like a wrestler. You 100% shot the ball like a wrestler in that spot. Yeah, I did.
1: I did. Like I said, I I never played, which is really surprising when I think back on it, to never, even in little, even in grade school, I never played Uh, Any kind of of organized basketball it was always messing around. And so I just tried to be a big body out there, but I was, I was a big, uh, I made up for being big by being slow and not being able to shoot. I mean, it was, and again, I tried to have fun in this game. I mean, it just, nobody did. It was, I was, I was so bummed at that. Kevin Hart did because he's just a funny guy and a really cool dude. Snoop obviously as well, but For the most part, man, people were running up and down that court. I'm like, you got to be kidding me.
0: Yeah, dad missed the memo that this is a game you actually had to try hard in. I feel personally (laughs) responsible for letting you go out there with that blue undershirt on. That's on me, mom, and the rest of the family for letting that happen (laughs) here now. So good luck to everybody in the Celebrity All-Star Game. And just remember, if you miss hilariously in this one, it will live forever, and you'll be shamed by your family for it years later on a national show. Sound the trumpets, it's horse racing time. So saddle up for the action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement wager on your favorite horses then watch the races live right in the app download the DK Horse app now new customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code GOLID. only on the DK Horse app All right, time to finish off the show the way we always do. This, that, and the third. Three quick stories to send you off into your weekend here. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review us, leave us a five-star rating, and check us out here live Monday through Friday, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern, live on the DraftKings Network, draftkingsnetwork.com, the YouTube channel, Samsung TV+, Plus, Roku, and more. Let somebody know about it. And if you missed any of it today or our great guest, thanks to LeJaria Sneed, two-time Super Bowl champion, defensive back for the Kansas City Chiefs. You can check that out wherever you get your podcast or right here on YouTube as soon as we get done and dad it's time to clear out the paint if you or a loved one know a man between the ages of 20 and 50 at this point in time get ready to not see them for the majority of the summer here because yesterday all of (laughs) the rumors all the articles all the hearsay finally gave way to ea coming out and putting it on wax this is the full trailer for ea's college football 25
3: watch and learn Got something special for y'all. A little update for our fans from the big house to the bayou. From Carolina to California. <laughs> yeah, it's about college football. We know you love it. Us too. You, no, to All to it. The rivalries. <laughs> Comebacks, the traditions and superstitions built by generations. There's nothing like it. Turns out, we've been building too. So let's address the big owl in the room. Yeah, we've seen the posts, the predictions, the doubts. We get it, it's been a minute. Let's just say, this ain't the only jersey we've been working on. game this sport deserves. Because pretty soon, this place will be full again. Until then, cue the crowd noise.
0: Uh, I mean, I, I like... Dad, I didn't play the the ncaa football game when it was around in college much i played it some we had the you know the team player lounge in our uh, our facility at notre dame but i kind of took it for granted back then we would love as players going each and every year and trying to find the player that was supposed to be us in our bio and what our rating was in the game when it would come out like everybody else, but I I took it for granted like a lot of people. And then it went away in 2014, and I know the reasons why, and I appreciate the sentiment behind why, but that doesn't mean we didn't miss it. And so now to know that it is confirmed coming back that this summer we are going to get the EA Sports College Football 25 game has me thrilled. I'm probably going to start a streaming career. I got chills right now watching that. I doubt this means much to you, Dad, but for a lot of people around my age, this game, Madden, and the ability to build out and be the head of your own college football team— to, for me to be able to know it now, go and run the most corrupt version of a football program possible as I try and take them to national championship heights—is an opportunity I cannot wait for.
1: Yeah, th- this is something I, I, you know, this is past me a little bit. Uh, was I never did a lot of video games in all honesty, even growing up, but certainly not this. But what it does, I I do remember you would hear college guys and and really NFL players as well. They would take their game systems on the road and play in the in mm-hmm. the the hotel room. I mean that, that it's so addictive it is. There are going to be people just for hours. Absolute the honeydew list is getting put to the side right now. Uh, for for people that have something they have to do when all of a sudden they start playing and don't realize it is eight hours later and they've peed themselves because they haven't put down the controller.
0: Well, I mean, speaking of peeing yourselves, our crack team here at Gojo and Golik decided to mock up the EA Sports 25 cover uh, of me with my pee pants from Notre Dame Senior Day circa 2012. Uh, PA Sports, it's in the stain, coming to a system near you. This upcoming summer, Dad, I promise you this. In addition to likely peeing my pants while I play the game, also, you should have peed your pants in the All Star game. That was your big mistake. Yeah, distracted from your shot with urine in your pants. I, I, I know there's a big debate amongst. Oh, oh look at, there you go. See your pee pants? You can't do you, that. AI that is that is, is
1: Photoshoping. I will sue hey, somebody. What? You you. I did not pee myself and I was bad enough, let alone peeing myself.
0: Pee in your pants is cool. Consider us the Goleks for whatever that means. Uh, so we look forward to that, uh, coming up this summer, dad, let's get to that though. With some news out of the world. We talked to, you know, Terry Henry and the crew from the champ covering the champions league. And we got some footy news right after that. Killian Mbappe, uh, Pound for pound, probably the best young star in the world of soccer who wowed everyone during the last World Cup with his battle against Messi. in that final is set to leave Paris Saint-Germain at the end of this season when his contract expires and immediately will become the most sought-after free agent there. He's communicated that decision to PSG. The terms of his exit aren't fully agreed on, and an official announcement is expected once the situation's finalized in the next few months. The Athletic reported that he's leaning towards joining Real Madrid upon the expiration of this deal, but the influential members of his entourage have been left unconvinced by the Spanish club's offer. So I'm sure there's going to be some posturing that goes on, but Dad... <laughs> I'm sure the Saudis who have already thrown money uh, at him, I believe before or attempted to are going to be back in they this did. conversation, but uh, this seems like a guy who is going to get whatever he wants out of this. So if
1: Real Madrid's going to go after him again in January of 22, I think it was, they threw a $26 million year, a deal with $130 million signing bonus, his way renewed with PSG. So if they're into this, they're going to have to come to the table a lot more than that. Remember he was, I think the second biggest transfer uh, behind Neymar. I think it was about 180 mil when he went to PSG when he transferred for the transfer fee there. And you're right, Saudi did go after him. The report was that they that they gave him a $700 million contract offer of which he turned down. So, I, I, you know, I think this is kind of like baseball. There's probably only a couple of teams out there that can afford him. And he's what? He's going to be 25. He's 24 years old now and I mean, it's going to be re- already makes ridiculous money and he is going to just up that list and be right,
0: right up near the top of highest paid athletes ever. If you're an American who somehow missed the last world cup and seeing him, this is one of those guys we talked about box office, Caitlin Clark, all that stuff, killing Mbappe, you don't have to have a working knowledge of soccer to watch the way that that man plays the game and understand that his better is better than everyone else's better out there. So very excited to see where he ends up. Dad. Let's get to the third here. Um, We've all had a lot of interesting experiences flying here. I have never had maggots delaying the flight on the bingo card, but that's exactly what happened for a Delta Airlines flight that was supposed to go from Amsterdam to Detroit. An airline spokesperson confirmed that flight 133 AMS to DTW was interrupted due to an improperly packed carry-on. Apparently someone had a rotten fish in their carry-on bag that fell out of the overhead, accompanied by a gaggle of maggots that fell next to somebody. People yeah. originally thought it was a plank until the wor- <laughs> the staff from the airline said, oh no, this is real, and we're not going to fly this plane full of maggots. Uh, Dad, I don't have the weakest stomach in the world. I'd have puked everywhere if a bunch of maggots landed next to me. That's just one that's immediately hits the button.
1: And I was reading, you're allowed to carry either meats or fruits, you know, frozen or not. And this person had a wrapped fish that had spoiled, just as you mentioned, and the maggots fell on somebody. When this was open and the maggots fell out, they fell on a passenger. city. Could you imagine you're sitting there? And, I mean, listen, at other times, if, if, if a flight got bumpy or something, maybe you've had a drink or some water spilled on you, maggots fell on somebody. Maggots. I mean, so... You have a couple of Delta flights where maggots have fallen one time and then another time somebody had, as they termed, explosive diarrhea. Delta is not, I mean, listen, they have a great on-time record, but as far as foreign things on the plane that are ruining flights, maggots and diarrhea are right at the top of that nasty list.
0: Would you rather be on maggot plane or diarrhea plane? Go
1: maggot plane because it's more diarrhea plane went everywhere as the from the past year maggots fell in kind of one spot so i think for the most part they were and and maggots at least the smell didn't probably permeate the whole plane
0: like the diarrhea did well if you enjoyed this podcast coated in diarrhea Ah. maggots and a little bit of urine make sure you download subscribe rate review it leave it a (laughs) five-star rating thanks so much have a great weekend we'll talk to you guys on monday stay dry